Well, today I want to continue in our series, and today we want to talk about risk takers. And some of you probably wouldn't want to talk, most pastors wouldn't want to talk about this specific person on Valentine's Day, and that is a prostitute. We're going to talk about Rahab, and many of you would say, well, that's a risky business in itself to be a prostitute. Um, But most of us know what a prostitute does. And when you think about it, you might ask yourself, well, how could God use such a person? Let me tell you why, because God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons, and he's always faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous acts. Amen. So today we're not going to necessarily investigate her profession, but but so much, but rather we're going to focus on the choices. Everyone say choices. We're going to focus on the choices to follow God and and how she made those choices in her in her life to follow God. Now, her past sins and lifestyle were eventually going to fade away. But when we see how she risked her own life to help Joshua's men spy out the land, it was a incredible. Now, here's a couple of things about Rahab. When it came to her life, we know that she lived in Jericho, and Jericho was a city that the Israelites had to conquer to get into the promised land. Now, not only did she live in Jericho, but she was a Canaanite. Now, here's something about Canaanites. Canaanites and Jews didn't get along, and Canaanites were the enemies to the Jewish people. And she was a pagan on top of that. She was a sinner. She was living a lifestyle that didn't please a lot of people. And so you would think with that kind of a background of being a Canaanite, being a pagan, being a prostitute, that 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 kind of resume, God wouldn't be interested in in that kind of an individual. But God is no respecter of persons. and, And we're thankful for His grace and His mercy that endures forever. But yet she was willing to risk everything for God. She was willing to risk everything for God, especially God she barely knew, and two spies that she didn't know at all that came to her time. Basically, she hid them and helped them escape. She was probably the one that originally started the escape rooms that we have all over our country. But what was her claim to fame? When you think about it, what was her claim to fame in the eyes of God? It was one simple thing, friends. It was her faith. It was her faith. And she, was, and she demonstrated faith in God's purpose for Israel. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 11.3, she's mentioned among the heroes of faith. She's up there with Moses and Abraham and all sorts of great men of God and other people because of her willingness to take a risk. And she and her family lived while the city was destroyed. So it says this in James 2.25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Father, we pray that your word will go forward with power and authority. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit has to say. And we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. May we learn to say no to our agendas, but rather say yes to God's instead. Because that's what we're talking about today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James considered Rahab as righteous as Abraham. Can, you know, how many of you remember that song, Father Abraham had many sons? Can you imagine if we sang, you know, about Rahab had many lovers? No, that wouldn't make any sense. But yet in this situation, he is, she is considered as righteous as Abraham. Rahab knew that something bad was going to happen in her city. There was something that she knew was going to happen. In the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of all this drama that was surrounding her life and her city, she acknowledged that God was sovereign. And we need to remember in the midst of the uncertainty that we face, in the midst of the death that surrounds us, in the midst of all the things that are taking place, you and I need to remember that God is sovereign. He's sovereign. She extended an offer to Joshua's men that she would help them in exchange, basically to say, hey, listen, if I do this for you, if I pat your back, would you pat mine? Would you protect my family? And these men agreed. And as a result, Joshua spared Rahab. It was the Lord that spared Rahab. And she and her family lived among the Israelites from the days the walls of Jericho fell down. 
Now, Rahab took a huge risk, friends, setting her life on a course to be used by God in a powerful way. You can read about it in Joshua chapter 2, and we're, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but we're going to have um, a couple of, um, uh, of, of uh, areas of Joshua 2 that we're going to discuss this morning. And so it says this in Joshua 2, 9 through 11. So this is what she said. I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you, of, uh, of you has fallen on us. She's talking to the spies at this time. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now when you think about it, friends, we all have this thing in this thing called life. We're all going to have choices. We're all going to have opportunities. You made a choice to come to church. You made a choice to come to church in person or watch us online. You made a choice to wear what you're wearing. You made a choice to live in San Diego. You made a choice to live in California. You made the choice where you work and who you marry. And from those choices come opportunities. How many of you have ever heard of a little company called Tesla? Raise your hand. Most of us have heard about Tesla or SpaceX. And when you think about Tesla and SpaceX, what comes to your mind? Well, it's a a gentleman named Elon Musk. First, I thought he was the creator of Musk Cologne, but he's not. But basically, Elon Musk lost, launched this idea of forming a successful electric car company, and it was thoroughly mocked. Everyone made a joke of it. Are you kidding me? What are you thinking? Yet in one decade, Tesla overlooked an, an impenetrable century-old industry while taking, on, while taking enormous risks, while, while ambitiously going against all odds. And Elon chose not to be stuck in life. Here's some things about this guy. Despite the doubts, despite the fears, despite the anxiety that surfaced when doing something bold and risky, he cons- what he was doing was a risky move in his life. But yet, Elon has proven the haters wrong time and time again. Now, Elon, Elon wasn't born with lots of money. He didn't have it all together. As a matter of fact, he, he came from a broken family. He was bullied in school as a child. And against his father's will, he decided as a 17-year-old he was going to leave South Africa and he was going to come to the United States of America. He studied both economics and physics at the University of Pennsylvania. And then eventually he decided to go for his PhD at Stanford University. However, instead of more schooling, instead of getting more education, he took a leap of faith. Two days after beginning at Stanford, he dropped out for his first company. You know what his first company was called? It was called Zip. Two Corporation. Now, I've never heard of Zip2 Corporation. Maybe you have. But that company went on to sell for $307 million to Compaq using his 7% from the sale. Musk went on and founded another company called X.com and a first of its kind online payment company. Just a year later, the company merged with one, a company that most of us know in this room called PayPal. Have you ever heard of PayPal? He merged with that company and later PayPal went to sell to eBay for $1.5 billion. So he decided from that to use his 11.7 shares of the sale and he went on to fund both SpaceX and Tesla. And in the end, it wasn't his cash that made Tesla ultimately successful. It was his hard work and it was his willingness to take a risk. He was willing to take a risk and eventually overcoming the odds that made Tesla a $64 billion company that it is today. Now Tesla is a profitable company that makes electric cars all over the world. And, and though, though it sustained a lot of um, you know, hardship and so forth, it took a risk. And it quickly assembled a large audience. And through that audience, it now has a solid customer base. Now, almost every automaker on the planet wants in on what he has developed. 
Nearly a million cars and Tesla hasn't even come close to slowing down. You see, Elon Musk made a choice. He looked at his opportunities in his life and though they were not great, he seized on his opportunities even though he failed at times and even though he succeeded at times, he was willing to do whatever it took and now he's one of the richest men in the world all because he was willing to take a risk. We're talking about risk takers today. Now that was, that, that, that's, that's dealing with the here and now but let's go back to the then and there that we read about in Joshua 2 with Rahab. You see, she was willing to take a risk to the opportunity in front of her by responding to God and because of her willingness to do so God recognized her and made her the great, great grandmother of King David. And if you look in the book of Matthew she's also included in the lineage of Jesus Christ. How on the earth can this happen? Because the decision she made affected the destiny that God had for her tomorrow. And the choices she made, she had, to, she had to become a risk taker for God. And because she was willing to be a risk taker for God, God honored her righteousness. You see, friends, God gives us so many opportunities every day of our life to do great things for His kingdom throughout, throughout history. But the question is, is, what will you do with those opportunities that God gives you? What opportunities that God gives you? What are you going to do? You see, sometimes the greatest risks are the choices we make regarding how we respond to God. Has God ever told you to do something and you didn't do it? Maybe it was, you know, tell someone that he loves them at a restaurant. Maybe it was tithe or give everything in your wallet. And you're like, thank God I don't have anything. And then you looked and there was over a hundred bucks. And you're like, uh, the Lord didn't tell me to give anything today. You know, whatever it may have been. There's so many things that happen, but the greatest risk are the choices we make on how we respond to God, not react to Him. And because of one of the things, one of the things about being a risk taker, if you want to take notes this morning, is a risk taker will always respond to godly opportunities. In ministry of almost 29 years, God has opened opportunities for my wife and I to minister in various churches. And we looked at those things not as obstacles, even though some of them were. When you take a pay cut from one church to go to another church, when you leave a large successful youth ministry to go to another youth ministry, when you have a nice office to literally your office is a closet, all sorts of things that in the natural people would say, you're stupid, you're foolish, why are you doing that? Because a risk taker will always respond to godly opportunities. And in the book of Exodus, the Israelites left Egypt in the Exodus with Moses. But unfortunately, the Israelites, did, they, they didn't take a risk. They, they wanted to play it safe. They didn't want to take any gambles or anything like that. And what happened was they wandered in the desert for 40 years with Moses. And then he died. And eventually they entered the promised land under new leadership. And the new leadership was Joshua and Joshua took over. But before they got to the promised land, there was one thing that was in their way. Do you know what that one thing was in their way? We're reading about it in Joshua 2. It was the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho. And they were extremely high. Jericho was the first major city the Israelites um, set to conquer. Now Joshua, of course, was a military strategist. He was the Norman Schwarzkopf of those days. And he decided to spend, send some spies to check out the walls and see what's happening. And, and in the book of Joshua chapter 2, we discover that they come upon a house. But it's just not some ordinary house. It's Rahab's house. Maybe it was a brothel. You know, she's a prostitute. But out of all the houses, why did, why did these spies go to Rahab's house and not Ralph's house? Think about it, friends. Now, some biblical scholars believe that, uh, that Rahab's house was near the wall. So since it was near the wall, these spies could go in, check out what's going on, and then come out and then go back home and report what was going on. But somehow, God directed these spies into the home of a prostitute. 
And when the spies came to see her, uh, something special in Rahab's mind began to catch their attention. And when the spies came to her, somehow she discerned. Somehow she realized that this was not just some ordinary old opportunity that she had in in this situation. This was a God-designed opportunity for her life and for her faith to grow. But it's, it's what she did with that opportunity. What are you doing with your opportunities today? What are you doing with the career that God's called you? What are you doing with the education that you have or, or where you're going to school or where you're going to church? You see, she did, she, what she did was from these opportunities, she was willing to show how much she was willing to take a risk. So we read in Joshua 2, 12 through 13, and it says this, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, she's talking to the spies, that you will show kindness to my family, that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to me, and that you will save us from death. Now, here's something that you need to understand. On the outside, this doesn't look like a godly opportunity. Because on the outside, these spies were in her house. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on her door. And it wasn't Ed McMahon with a, you know, million dollars or anything like that, Publishers Clearinghouse. No, it it was soldiers. And the soldiers came to her door demanding that she surrender them to the king. By the order of the king, somehow word got to the king that certain men were coming to Rahab's house. And there was a lot of men that went into Rahab's house. But certainly these specific two, they said, are spies. And in that moment, she had to make a decision. She had to make a decision whether to turn them in or to protect them in that moment. So she chose to do what? She chose to protect them. Now here's a quick side note before we move on. In Joshua 2 verses 4 through 5, listen to this. It says, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said to the soldiers, Yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. Verse 5, At dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, the men left, and I don't know which way they went. So go after them quickly. You might catch them, you might, you might catch them you know, as, they're, as they're going along with them. Now, when you read Joshua 2, 4 through 5, it sounds like she's lying. I thought God doesn't like lying. Think about this, friends. In wartime, here's a couple of things that maybe you don't understand, but in wartime, it was normal and acceptable behavior to deceive your enemy, to deceive your enemy. Other scholars believe that, that Rahab was not a Jew, and she was a Canaanite like we talked about earlier, and, and, and because of that, she could not be held responsible for keeping the standards set forth in God's law regarding lying. But basically, she was willing to protect God's people in those spies, no matter the cost. And the Bible tells us, because Rahab put her trust in God, that she was commended for her faith. But as she hid them in the thatch of the roof, something began to stir in her heart. And she recalled and heard about their God. And it was in that conversation, an opportunity came for her to change in that moment when it came to her heart and her mind. And it became open to taking a risk and, and doing God's will. You see, friends, when the opportunity came, it was not an opportunity for her to be blessed by God. She wasn't doing this so that God would bless her, but rather she chose to do this to bless and to declare how great God was. And if you think about it, friends, that's not the way we usually do it. What do we usually do? God bless our marriage. There's nothing wrong with that. God bless our church. God bless our pastor. God bless this. God bless this. God bless my career. And those are great things. But instead, maybe what we should ask is, how could I bless God with my marriage? How could I bless God with my career? How could I bless God with, with the ministry that I'm involved in? You know, those types of questions. We also ask God bless our finances. Nothing wrong with that. But maybe we should be asking, how could I bless God with my finances? Think about that, friends, this morning. It's amazing how we selfishly think about all these opportunities that come in our lives every day, but we only think about what we can get out of the deal. 
And Rahab wasn't thinking about what she could get out of the deal. She was only thinking about the greatness of God and who God was and what God could do and and the things that she had heard about in the past about His goodness and His mercy. I want to encourage each of you this year to commit your steps to God. Commit your steps to God. Don't commit your steps to me. Don't commit your steps to this church. Commit your steps to God. Amen? We've got to do those things in the world that we're living in today. And then in, in that moment, something began to happen in her heart. You see, another thing about Rahab and being a risk taker is risk takers choose to focus on the godly proposals rather than the difficult problems. Too many times in our lives, we focus more on the problems instead of the godly proposal of what God can do in our circumstance and in our situation. But a risk taker chooses to focus on godly proposals rather than difficult problems. When a godly opportunity came, Rahab, Rahab didn't waver. She didn't get wishy-washy. She focused on her proposal to the spies instead of the problem with the soldiers. They were still knocking at her door. There was still a problem going on, but she was focusing on the proposal rather than the problem. And a lot of times we focus more on the problem than the proposal. A lot of times we, we, we say things like ourselves, well, uh, I, I, if I get involved in this, should I get involved in this ministry or not? But Rahab didn't think about her options Rather, she thought about people's lives. She thought about, she focused on her godly proposal. She came to her senses and realized it was not worth playing it safe and turn them in, but rather it was better to take a risk and save their lives. Talking about the spies. She came to a decision where it was all or nothing. It was all or nothing. I'm either in or I'm out. But you got to make a decision in in those moments. And she chose to be sold out. It didn't matter to her what people said about her. She made a decision. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you love lukewarm water or soda on a hot summer's day? Just raise your hand. I didn't think so. And how many of you just love a a lukewarm cup of soup on a cold winter's day? Raise your hand and say, bless God. Maybe a couple of you, but we'll have an altar call. Amen. No one does. No one likes lukewarm water or, or soda on a hot summer's day. No one likes lukewarm soup on a cold winter's day. And that's why Rahab was not lukewarm in her decision. She was not lukewarm in her decision. She didn't mind what people would think about her or what might happen to her. Instead, she chose to trust in the promises of God. All the spies did was, what did the spies do? All they did was give her her word. Oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You and your family will be spared. That's all she needed. And that's what I call faith. Basically, she was having a conversation with two men that she barely knew, but yet she trusted in what they said, and that's what faith is. Think about it, church. If the soldiers ended up finding the spies in her home... And even though she said they were not there, she would probably be be killed for treason. But on the other hand, let's just say if she chose to play it safe and turn them in, there probably would have been a a richly reward. She probably would have been, you know, given a new home or or, or certain things in her life and and handsomely rewarded by the king. But, But she didn't think about those things. She didn't think about what she could get or what she could lose. All she could recall, if you read the Bible, all she could recall was what their God did for them and she chose to trust Him rather than her problem. Let me tell you something. A risk taker will always focus on godly proposals than difficult problems. Amen? How many opportunities do we miss when things become risky? Oh, I hear people say this all the time. I want to follow God fully. Oh, but I don't want to give up this part of my life. Oh, I want to tithe and give to missions, but but my income has suffered. I want to really do things right, but I I like doing this certain sin. I I want God to bless me, but I I still want to live in my old lifestyle. Friends, I want you to understand that God doesn't use what we're comfortable with. 
to move us forward. But rather, God uses people that are willing to take a risk. That's what he's looking for today. You see, Rahab knew that she had to change her lifestyle. She had to trust God with her future. She knew she wasn't perfect, just like you and I aren't perfect. But she was willing to take a risk. And that, friends, is the keys. That is the key. I want you to understand as we get ready to wrap this up, risk takers don't need to be perfect. They don't have to have their act all together. They just need to be willing. Are you willing today? Are you willing? And that is what God, that's what caught God's attention about Rahab. Because risk takers are always willing. They're always willing. She was not of royalty. She was a prostitute. She was the opposite of God's people. And the Israelites wanted to destroy her people. But in the middle of all that, in the middle of being a pagan, in the middle of being a Canaanite, in the middle of being uncertain, she was willing. And God used her. God used her. Joshua 2.21 says that she said, according to your words, of course, this is what the spies said. Well, well, we got your back. God will protect you. You know, just put this scarlet thing on the, you know, on the house and it won't, it won't get hurt. She said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You see, friends, the biggest decision that you and I can make is allowing our lives to be used by God. Because that's where risk-taking begins. That's where the journey begins. Do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Remember when you decided, I'm going to get involved in this, or I'm going to give my life completely to the Lord, or I'm going to, I'm going to give this part of my income to God, or whatever? Do you remember those moments in your life? You see, the biggest decision that you can make is allowing your life to be used by God. Because that is where your risk-taking journey begins. That's where it begins for all of us, friends. Joshua 6.25 says, But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites this day. I want to encourage you, friends. When it comes to your faith, it's just simple. We make it so complex. You know what I love about what we've experienced in this pandemic is that we have gotten to the point of making church simple. And we made it so complex But simple faith is all that is required for great outcomes because a risk taker doesn't focus on their past mistakes, but rather their faith-filled future. And that's what Rahab did. She said no to her agenda, and she said yes to God's. Amen. Can we give him praise for that? See, Rahab didn't allow her past to keep her from her new role that God had for her. And so many times we focus on a person's credentials. We focus on their experience. We focus on their lifestyle. We focus on their appearance. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but rather God looks at the heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where is your heart today? She realized that God was no ordinary God. I think sometimes we get so full of religion, we forget about the relationship of the living God we serve. And we serve a God that is not ordinary. He's extraordinary. He is high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. We need to remember that today. She remembered. She realized that God was no ordinary God. The same miracle working power of God, what happened in Joshua 2, is the same God that can come to your side and my side in 2021. He can save us from wicked enemies. He can protect us from death as he did Rahab. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed in this holy moment. Have you had any God opportunities for risk-taking lately? Think about it, friends. Are there some godly opportunities that even though for Rahab it didn't, it didn't look like a godly opportunity because she had to make a decision. Do I 
turn the spies into the soldiers and get handsomely rewarded? Or do I protect them and I might lose my life? But I want to encourage you, friends, if there are some godly opportunities coming your way, what are you going to do about them? What steps could you take to be a risk taker for God this day, this week, this month, or even this year? Secondly, are you willing to do whatever God asks of you to do this year? Maybe you want to give your life to Christ for the first time. Maybe you want to rededicate your life back to Him. I don't know, but are you willing to do whatever God asks of you? Because His sheep know His voice. And maybe there's something that God wants you to do. And then the last thing is this. Are you focused on the purposes that God has for your life? Or are you more focused on the problems of your life? Because a risk taker will always focus on godly proposals more than difficult problems. Perhaps instead of asking God to bless you, maybe you need to ask the Lord and say, Jesus, I choose to use my life. I choose to use my relationships. I choose to use my career. I I choose to use my education, my finances, my possessions, where I live, where I go to church to bless your name and to advance your kingdom. Maybe that's your heart's cry today. Maybe that's what you want to do. If you're able to, would you stand with me in this holy moment? We're going to worship the Lord. And if the Lord is minister to you in any area of those lives i want to pray for you and then we're going to worship the lord father in the name of jesus maybe there's someone in this room that you've given them a godly opportunity and are they willing to take a risk are they willing to take the steps of being courageous of being bold of even if they stand alone lord jesus but yet they'll never stand alone because you're with them because you're a good good father Maybe, Lord, there's some in this room that are willing to do whatever God asks of them to do. Maybe you're here and you say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me. It's a, it's a bold prayer. It's a scary prayer. But if you're willing to do that, and you're willing to say, not my will, but your will be done, God. He, just, he loves that kind of simple faith. And maybe that's what you need to do today. You just need to make your faith super simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Just keep it simple. And finally, maybe you have been focusing more on your problems than the proposal. But God, how are you going to do this? How, how's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? Trust me. Trust me. I've got the whole world in my hands, including your world. And maybe that's what you've been doing. You've been focusing more on the problems than the proposal. And today you need to repent. You need to ask God, instead of bless me, Lord, I choose to use my life to bless you and to declare how great you are. So, Lord, wherever we're at in this room, I pray, God, that you would touch every heart, every mind. Lord, it's been a crazy week for so many of us. But, Lord, on this Valentine's, we want to remember our first love. And we want to say to our first love, it's not about my agenda, but rather, God, it's about yours. Let your kingdom come. And let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about who's in the the political office. It's about who's over all the earth. And that's you, Jesus. And today, maybe we need to repent. Maybe today we need to forgive. Maybe today we need to let go. And we need to let God take complete control over our hearts and over our minds. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that wants to give their life to you for the very first time. I 
pray today, whoever that person is or where they want to rededicate their life, just where you're at, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe you died on that cross and three days later rose from the grave and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.